three, two, and one. We're going. We're live. We're here with uh, Kent Fortune. Kent Fortune, thank you so much for uh, joining the show today. Excited to have you. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, you're um, one of the the people I admire most. I've got actually two of my favorite people um, here in the room today, uh, Stephanie and Kent Fortune. Um, and excited just to jump in kind of right into your story. And uh, we were just talking a second ago about uh, your really epic career that you've had uh, at USAA for 30 years and just been in all sorts of roles and risen to, uh, I think, a pretty epic role leading um, uh, an entire campus here at Colorado Springs and uh, overseeing 1,800 plus employees uh, on campus. And then you've got another 400 uh, in other locations. And done, uh, you know, I think what I admire about you is is kind of your persistence toward um, your your career and your impact that you have and um, just being intentional about the work that you do and, and being to this place now. So I want to dive right in there and just start by zooming out and thinking about the impact that you've had and where you're at in your career now uh, and all the things you've accomplished. What's the single best piece of advice you would give to yourself 18 years ago? Or when you're 18 years old, not yeah. 18 years ago. Yeah, that's that's a little longer. <laughs> it's than a little 18, longer. It's than okay. 18 years. It's not that uh, long. Not yeah. to give my age away, but no. Uh, no I, and uh, I talked about this the other day with some people. And um, when I look at my career right now, you can say, "Wow, you've risen to a position that has a title." So everything in your career was pretty rosy. Um, but what we find out is that the journey that you have in your career is not always one that's laid of easy path, right? There's some bumps along the road. And so uh, when I was 18 years old and 25, and even in my early 30s, I was very risk averse. So when you work for an insurance company, um, risk you manage. And so I took that kind of to the extreme and I was very conservative in my career. And so as I look back, I think what I missed out on was some probably pretty cool job opportunities because I didn't want to take any risk. And so what I think I would tell the younger Kent or the younger generation is, don't be afraid of taking risks in, in your career. Most of us are going to work 30, 40, 50 years, whatever the case may be. And so it's okay to look for things that maybe don't upwardly move your career at that time, but might be something that you're passionate about or that you think you'll learn from that will help you later on in life. And so go ahead and try that. So I think what happened to me is I didn't even apply for jobs. So surprise, surprise, if you don't apply for the job, you're not going to get it. Um, And so you miss out on that. So I think what I would say is Take more risk. I would probably say still calculated risk. Just okay, don't, yeah. Yeah, don't, don't go the crazy. Mind there. Exactly. But I think uh, uh, be more risky. I mean, I think uh, I've worked for the same company for 30 years, and I would never change that. In today's generation, we have a lot of people that bounce around to different companies looking for different things. Um, so you need to balance that. You know, you want some stability, but I think it's okay to take a little more risk and enjoy the journey, right? It, work, yes, is a four-letter word, mm-hmm. um, but it should be enjoyable. You should enjoy what you do every single day um, because when you do that, you're going to perform much better. Yeah. Love that um, perspective and the thought, too, just of your career and your life as a journey. I think it's, um, you know, I've seen this in, in my life and observing other people. You know, we kind of aim toward this abstract idea of you're going to arrive someday or you're going to find the perfect role or you're going to find the perfect just life situation where you're making the right amount of money and you've got the right personal circumstances. And so I think I appreciate that, the idea of that it's a process and just to enjoy the ride. 
um, really resonate with that. One thing you mentioned, which I think is interesting around risk-taking, um, which I fully resonate with also, but personally have have had struggled with that in the past and also know other people struggle to really uh, take that and implement it. So what do you, I guess in your observation, working with you know thousands of people in your career, um, what is it that prevents people from being willing to take a risk? Well, I think uh, failure has a bad connotation, right? Yeah. If you try something and it doesn't work out, then you admit to yourself, well, I failed. And society doesn't necessarily look at failure in a positive light. And I think what we need to do is change that around and say failure is a good thing, right? There are ob obviously times where failure is not a good thing. Um, most of the time in our careers, unless you're in the military, this is not life or death, right? Mm -hmm. This is an opportunity for you to learn. And what I look back on my career, the things where I kind of fell down, skinned my knees, man, that's the biggest learning time I've ever had. And I'm like, wow, that's going to make me a better person, um, a better worker. And so what I would tell people is it's okay to take a risk. Um, the other thing that factors into that too is um, where you are in your life, right? So if you're a, a younger professional and you're single, uh, don't have a lot of um, bills and those types of things, uh, that's a great opportunity to take those types of risks. Um, maybe you're a little older professional or still in that young professional, married, maybe have a kid. Yep. Um, all of a sudden, the the scaredness of failing and, oh, how am I going to provide for my family always factors in. Um, but what I remind people is, hey, you're a talented individual, right? You have talents and skills. And so if this doesn't work out, it's not the end all be all. There'll be other jobs out there. Yeah. Now, that's easy to say now, right? <laughs> when when I've been with my company for a long period of time. But I think that's the mindset. Um, and so I think if you don't take those challenge, it's nothing ventured, nothing gained, right? Mm -hmm. And so you have to keep your eye on that distant prize yep. and, and maybe sacrifice a little bit in the short term. Short term. Yeah, yeah. Um, thinking about your career and you've said something that is interesting and, you know, we see this in sort of the changing, um, nature of work and career. So you've, you've been with the same company for 30 years, which I think is really admirable, had some incredible experiences there. You've traveled and lived in all sorts of different places and, uh, context. And that's n not nearly as common now. I think the average, um, job, I think the average turnover or a lifespan of a job for someone is 4.4 years in the U S something mm -hmm. like that. It's going down. Um, but I think there's something of value there. Um, and you were able kind of in that 30 years, it wasn't like you did the same thing for 30 years or stayed in the same place. It was very, uh, dynamic and there were a lot of growth opportunities and new career experiences, which I sounds like added to that. Um, but thinking about that process for you professionally, did you have, you know, thinking at some point that you wanted to continue to level up and the impact that you had at the organization and your leadership at the the company, was that sort of, you know, to where you are now, was it ever part of the the plan or tell me about that process? Yeah. So I, th I think most people would tell you, and I think even if you ask a lot of CEOs, you'll ask them, was your plan to be a CEO? And the answer is no. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I think a lot of people that rise to an executive position, some will have aspirations of that. I think most of us, it is how can I contribute at a larger level? And so you always look for a way to help the organization, uh, the employees, your customers. And you're like, just use me in the best 
opportunity that leverages my skills that helps the company. And so in my career, I was really one that said, wherever you need me, I'll go, right? Whatever I can do to help, let me know. And of course, growing up in a military family, moving around a lot, um, it was kind of just natural where, hey, we have this opportunity over here. Ooh, I'm in, right? Mm. That's something new. That was a new challenge. So uh, I was uh, part of a kind of an assistant manager, we'll say at the time, and they had a training opening. I'm like, wow, I could help new employees learn about mm. our great company. Ooh, that sounds exciting. Okay, let me go do that. So I moved for that. And then that led to another position, which led to another position. Then they had a position where nobody really wanted to go. And I'm like, oh, I'll go there. <laughs> um, and so it was really just how could I help the company and how could I make a difference? And then next thing you know, you have gained a lot of different experiences. You've worked with a lot of different people. You've gathered a lot of different skills now. And next thing you know, it just kind of falls into place, at least it did for me, um, which gave me the opportunity to have the position that I have now. So it's just an accumulation of different work, not necessarily looking at let me rise up through the organization, mm -hmm. but let me continue to help the organization in a bigger and better way. Yeah, really love that. Um, it's uh, I've been thinking about a topic similar to this. There's a book um, by Bob Johansson. It came out a couple years ago. Uh, I think the title is the new leadership literacy. So he, he basically did a forecast of what are uh, sort of the core things leaders need to do to be successful in the future. One of the key pieces he talks about in the book is this uh, concept called clarity, not certainty. And it's uh, basically the idea is having clarity around the future and the impact that you want to have. So to your point, it's you had you had this clarity around you want to continue to add value and and help more people, but not certainty about how it's going to evolve. And he said the reason for that is that the, the certainty uh, will often you'll you'll end up in disappointment because the idea that you can have certainty about exactly how things are going to unfold in the future is pretty much non-existent, right? Like Very there's no true. no predicting it because it, there's too much. Uh, there's too many variables and there's too much that can change in the process. So, um, so anyways, that, that reminded me as you're talking about that, this idea about clarity, but not certainty and letting, you know, being open to new opportunities as they present themselves and sort of asking yourself, is, does this align with, with me and my passion and does it help me serve and impact more people? And if yes, you just, you went, you know, you go for it, you went for it. Um, and it's gotten you to this place, which is super cool. Um, one of the things you and I have talked a lot about in, in kind of different contexts, and I think you've got a real unique vantage point on this topic is as it relates to leading and impacting other people, the importance of culture as a key element of that. Um, I remember a couple of years ago, we were at USAA here in Colorado Springs at the campus and we, you were kind of giving me a tour, um, of all the, just the different. Um, kind of elements that you have there. You've got a couple of, uh, re was it relax zone and then a uh, energize zone, energize zone. Yeah. Really cool. I mean, just some cool um, spaces for the employees there. But one of the things that stood out there, we're walking, you know, the halls up and down and into the cafeteria and everybody we passed was, Hey Kent, Hey Kent, Hey Kent, Hey Kent. Um, you know, there's 1800 people there and you knew everybody's name too. That was, was um, talking to you. And um, so that really stood out to me, and we've had a lot of conversation um, since then about the importance of culture first 
uh, and the impact that that has for people and for performance. So tell me a little bit about your philosophy around culture. Yeah, so I've been thinking a lot about culture. So the first analogy I'll give about culture, and then maybe define it a little bit, take it away from USAA for a second, is that, you know, of course, it's the beginning of the year. You know, we're in January right yep. now and uh, working out, right? So everybody has a New Year's resolution. The holidays were a little rougher on some of us than others. And so we're trying to get back into the gym. Yeah. And so to work out um, and get back where we want, it takes a lot of work. And then once you get there, you have to maintain it. And then if you stop, you quickly lose all of that momentum that you made. Mm -hmm. um, and to me, that's a lot like culture. You, you work really hard to get it to where you want to go. And then if you take your eye off the ball, um, it disintegrates pretty quickly. And mm -hmm. so um, what happens, I think, in corporate America today is we don't spend a lot of time on culture. It's one of those kind of touchy-feely, kind of hard to measure. Um, you can see indirect benefits from it, but it's hard to directly say, okay, here's what we're getting back from culture. Um, but I think companies, the really good ones, have a really strong and defined culture. And so thinking about a big business versus a small business, um, wow, what impact you can have. In the small business, if you're the leader, man, you can start the culture pretty easy because it's a smaller group of people. Yep. And you can continue to grow it, and you can make it how you want, and uh, you're ultimately the one that controls it if you're the owner. Um, in a big corporation, um, it's a little more difficult. It has to start day one. Um, it has to be the leaders that are buying into it and believing in it and then making sure that their leaders do it. And so it's just constant every single day making sure that you fo focus on the culture. And so I've been blessed to be at USA for 30 years. And really, when you have a mission of serving the military and their families, um, that's a pretty awe-inspiring yep. uh, mission. So then I think the culture after that of, okay, how do we instill that um, into our employees? And then also um, create this culture of innovation and change um, and uh, collaboration, transparency, um, and then also uh, what I've kind of been working on lately is what I kind of call from a book I'm reading, um, it's about Dunkin' Donuts, oh. um, on Dunkin' about the art of the pushback. Huh. Just really how do you get your organization to uh, share feedback that, or give thoughts and ideas that maybe is not um, what is currently happening. So uh, when your boss tells you to do something or has an idea and you don't necessarily agree with that, how do you in a respectful way kind of ask those questions or push back uh, because you want to make sure that you come up with the best idea at the end of the day. Um, and so really have that dialogue. So how do you create a culture of communication both up and down? Um, and so that's been very intriguing to me. And so that's a book that I'm reading. And I don't read a lot, so uh, <laughs> it's taking a lot to do that. But it's been very entertaining and really helpful. But at the end of the day, really, to me, culture is kind of that glue of the organization. It's that personality. And so what we kind of talk about is how strong is your glue, mm. right? So if you don't have a strong culture, then your, your company could potentially fall apart. But every company has a culture. The question just is, is it a good culture or is it a bad culture? Yeah, yeah, and that's a really good good point, that it's it exists everywhere. It's just a matter of whether or not it's effective for people and a play, you know, is it is it a positive environment? Um, and there's a lot of research that's been done in this space too. And um, one of the reports I was reading uh, recently, I can't remember the specific statistic, but basically, um, if you look at organizational culture, strong or positive organizational cultures far outperform companies that have a you know negative culture. 
um, you know, on performance business metrics. So there's that kind of direct tie to, to operational and tactical type of elements when you're talking about business. And, um, so I think that that's a a really, um, key piece for people to think about is as you're, you know, as you're working in an organization or you're leading a team, um, you know, you're trying to obviously drive the business objective as a priority, but looking after and caring for the people first is in turn going to help you get there faster, you know, and achieve the, whatever that goal or that metric is in a more efficient or better way or, or, you know, or surpass it even. So, um, really resonate with that. Could you, um, I guess thinking about culture, let's say an organization has, uh, you know, let's say a negative, um, culture or just a, you know, difficult place for employees. What are things, I guess, what are some of the maybe simple, kind of tactical things that a leader could do to improve um, culture of a team, uh, small business, organization, et cetera? Yeah, I think it's, um, this is one of those really difficult things, right? Because it just doesn't change overnight. Yeah. Um, it's going to take a lot of work. Um, but I think it really has to start at the top. Um, we've talked a lot about, hey, can the, can the employees start it and can you do a groundswell? Right. Um, and you can start that. But as soon as you hear, hit somebody in uh, leadership or management that's not on board, it kind of quickly goes away. Came over. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's really got to start at the leader, and they got to role model that. Yeah. Um, I'm a firm believer in, in uh, honest, transparent conversation. So I think if you're in a small organization um, with t- technology today, you can either pull them all in a room if, if you have that capacity, if you're... Um, in multiple locations, you know, with uh, the technology you have, you can get them all on a video conference or things like that. And you just lay it out, say, hey, the the culture and the way we do business right now is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you guys feel it, but I feel it. And that's not kind of the organization that we want to be. Um, our customers deserve better. You deserve better. And I want you to hear it from me. We're going to start that journey. Um, and then I think what's most important is uh, be honest and say, I don't have all the answers. And so what I want um, is your feedback. And so let's do this together. Because what happens is when you get employee buy-in, surprise, surprise, um, it works so much better. Because yep. when you're a leader and you think you know everything, yep. um, and you try to push down what you think is the best idea, they just kind of roll their eyes and look at you. And so, But if you do it together and you give that vulnerability, man, the sky's the limit. And then once they buy in, the movement is so much faster than if you kind of push it down the other way. Yeah, huge um, vulnerability. I think is a, is the probably the foundation of that because you've got to be as a leader, you have to be willing to kind of open yourself up to that, and it's admitting that you don't have all the right answers or that your way isn't necessarily the best way. But it's really fascinating that as soon as you do that, it can diffuse so much tension uh, that may have built up between people because it's it's kind of like, okay, yeah, we're all, we're all in this together. We're all, you know, people we're trying to contribute to this team and then let's figure this out as a group. Um, rather than it's, you know, it's gotta be the, the person at the top who has all the right answers. So I, yeah, love that. Love the vulnerability piece of it. Yeah. Just because you have a title does not mean you have all the answers. So true. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're con it's like, you know, you're constantly learning, you know, every, um, you know, every season of life, it's like you, ne- you never fully arrive with the answers, uh, you know, or with the perfect skill set. It's this continued evolution. 
Um, and I think it's important for people to get. Absolutely. Um, I want to kind of shift, shift gears a bit, uh, still in this kind of organizational context. So you've, you know, in 30 years, you've seen a lot change, um, in your industry and in your organization. And I think one of the things that leaders face today is increasingly complex environments and the pace of change is just sometimes just overwhelming for people, you know, uh, changes in technology, changes in communication, um, changes in the core of your business or industry disruptors. So in your kind of experience in 30 years, and then also leading still, uh, in this increasingly complex environment, what is, what are some of the things that you've done, uh, and that others could do to kind of maintain innovation and collaboration and culture first in this complex environment where change is constant. Yeah, it's um, it's amazing. I mean, when I think back to when I started to what the world is today, right? This was before um, cell phones. It was before smartphones. Um, you know, it's instant data, instant information now. And so... Um, it's really, really important. I think to me, I still go back to old school stuff. I think it first starts with relationships, um, with the amount of change that you have and the being able to communicate uh, with employees or people. It's the, do you have relationships with them? And that takes time. I think the other thing is trust. Um, you're not gonna be able to do everything. Um, so I think sometimes as leaders, we struggle with the word delegation. We have to do it all. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be able to trust that your teammates and uh, your team is going to be able to do it. And if they need help, that you're there. Um, and so I think that's really, really important. Communication, you talked about it, but I think it's communicate, communicate, communicate. Um, and when you think you've done enough communication, you communicate some more. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you do it in varying channels, um, in person, email voicemail, video, um, be thoughtful and creative, uh, because in today's world, we have four generations or more, depending on what organization you have. Yep. And so they all receive information differently. Um, and then I think look for ways, um, either inside your organization or outside of your organization on best practices. And so sometimes I think we try to recreate the wheel to figure out, okay, wow, we have the most unique, most complex organization ever and then you realize there's other organizations that are just as complex, mm -hmm. just as hard to run, and what have they done to solve that problem? And so I think uh, watching uh, different uh, you know, podcasts or different mm -hmm. uh, videos or reading or attending class, um, I just think getting out there and looking for different ways to learn um, to validate what you're doing or to get new ideas um, is a way to approach that. But I think the, the key part of that is um, don't rest on your laurels. Um, continue to be vulnerable um, and open and uh, just communicate. And if you do all of those things, uh, your chance of success is greater. Um, there's still going to be probably some speed bumps along the way that uh, you didn't expect that you'll have to adapt for because nothing ever goes as planned yep. um, as much as you plan for it. But uh, having backup plans to those types of things. But uh, I think it's only going to get uh, more difficult um, when you look at most companies. They have a very diverse workforce, right? Yep. They're not all in one location. Yep. Some of them are in your office, some uh, telecommute. Um, and so the way you... 
um, worked with your workforce before is not the way you're going to be working with them a couple of years from now. So it's going to be an evolution each and every day. Yeah, really key there um, with the just the changing nature of work to your point about working on, on you know, remote teams and have or having a blended model of work. So some's face to face, some is, you know, online and digital. Um, you're working across time zones, across cultures uh, and demographics across different business units in the organization. So it's around, yeah, it's how do you adapt to that new situation? One of the things you said, which is interesting is uh, around the generational dynamics in the workforce. So can tell me, just tell me a little bit more about that from your perspective, because we, you're right, we've got four generations um, in most, you know, most organizations um, at this point, which, you know, creates a unique dynamic. And it's been, you know, I've talked to people where, you know, it's this really big deal and, you know, they're, they're really trying to focus and try to figure out how do you, for a while it was, how do you lead and manage millennials? Now it's a bit kind of erring toward the side of Gen Z who are the, the newest generation of the pipeline um, and managing different expectations from boomers, Xers, millennials. And so some folks that I've heard, you know, really put a lot of emphasis on it. Some people uh, have the lens of, well, it's not, you know, it's not as big of a deal and, we're all kind of looking for the same thing in work. So I guess what's your take on it and um, how do you approach that? So I would lean toward the last one, which is I don't think it's a big deal, but I would caveat that. Yeah. Uh, Because I think if you truly manage people, um, the generational, um, the different generations don't matter. And what I mean by that is if you're truly leading people, you're going to get to know that person and understand what motivates them, what inspires them, how they like to be coached, basically why they're working and those types of things. And so what happens is we, we stereotype people. Okay. You're a boomer. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. Here's how you like to receive information. That boomer could be, um, a millennial quote unquote acting type of thing. You can have a millennial that acts like a boomer. Mm. And so what happens is we stereotype them before we even get started based on their age, what their work experience so I think what we need to do is just what we always do with employees is sit down with them, see what they're um, wanting in their career, how do they like to get coached, and then just start developing a plan for them. And so if you're going to do that for each one of uh, your employees, and so what I tell managers and leaders is that that's why your job is so difficult, because you could have 15 or 16 people that report to you, right. and guess what? They're not all, all the same. Exactly. They, they could, could be, all this, be different. Right. They could all be the same generation, and I guarantee you they would not like to be coached, receive feedback, or have the same uh, career goals as each other. So even if they're all in the same generation, yep. there are going to be differences. And so I think it's, it's good to understand, um, but sometimes I, I think that people just want to be treated the way that resonates with them. Yep. And if we start breaking down those barriers... Um, I think it's really good. I think sometimes as you get, uh, like me later as a professional, we forget what it was like to be a young professional. Mm. Um, and are they really that much different than when we were, um, back then? Yes. Technology is a little different than some of those types of things, but I think they want the same thing that we want. They want a meaningful career. They want a job that adds value. They want to be a part of an organization that is doing great work. Um, and really, I think they have pushed us to be better. Um, I'm seeing a lot of the young workforce um, that really wants to work for an organization that is doing more than just their mission. How are they giving back in the community? How are they making a difference? 
when I first started, I was just like happy to have a job. I wasn't thinking about, does my organization give back to the community? Do we give philanthropically? Do we have a volunteer program? And so I think we've evolved. And so I, th I think sometimes we have blinders on and don't remember the, the full picture. Mm -hmm. um, and what I've seen from the young professionals is they work hard. They're motivated. Um, yes, there's some that don't do that. But there were some when I started that don't do that too. So yeah. Um, but I think at the end of the day is um, don't necessarily um, cookie cutter it, right? Let, let's tailor it for that uh, particular individual. Yeah, super powerful. I think it's um, what I love about that is that it's it kind of gets it back to the fundamentals of the you know of of making an impact and leading other people. I mean, I mean it's it hasn't change that that much really i mean there's there's new ways of thinking and new models and tools and and skill sets you can develop but at the core of it to your point it's about really knowing and understanding people and the people that you're serving and empathizing with them and creating real relationships and from that you know it's kind of you know the world's your oyster for for you as a leader for the people that you're you're impacting and influencing and so i think um, I like that just from, you know, from the point of view of it, it, it kind of simplifies something that I think we overcomplicate a lot of times. We, we tend to do that a little bit, right? Right. Um, sometimes to me, it's keep it as simple as possible, uh, because you're going to have to communicate it out to people too. And the more complex you make it, the more difficult it is for them to follow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, um, love the conversation. Uh, I want to ask the, the final question for the session. And that okay. is, um, what is the, the cause you hope to bring about in the world? So, um, as you get older, um, you start thinking about what's your legacy. Um, you know, and the first thing is hopefully, um, when my time is done, they'll say, hopefully I made, uh, the world a better place, um, that I didn't pass through. Um, and so what Stephanie, my wife and I have talked about really is, um, how can we kind of, motivate, inspire just by the things we do of giving uh, people the motivation and inspiration to make their community a better place. And so that's by picking your favorite cause, picking your favorite charity, uh, pick your favorite work, whatever it might be, and go there and make a difference. And so some people think it's like, well, I don't have a lot of money. Uh, it's not about money. Um, it could be about time. And when they're like, well, I don't have a lot of time. Okay, can you make a little time? Um, well, what can I do? Everybody has a talent, um, and you can make a difference. There's a lot of nonprofits in the community. There's high schools. There's schools. Um, there's opportunity for people to go out in the community and make a difference. And the cool thing about that is if everybody just did that, spent an hour a month, then it became two hours a month or whatever the case may be, just think about how strong a community could be uh, because no matter how good things are going, there's always people that have a need. Um, you don't know if you'll ever be that person. Um, so uh, we have been um, really unextraordinarily blessed in the things that we have. And so how do we go out there and role model making a difference? And so we, we like to get out there in the community and just do small things. Don't look for uh, pats on the back or, or do it kind of under the radar just because we want to do things that we're passionate about. And so if everybody did that, um, a good world would be love that. Awesome way to end it. Kent Fortune, thank you so much. Thanks for having me.